0: Good morning. As uh, Pastor Grant said, we'll be in Haggai in chapter two. If you still have not turn there, I'll give you a little bit of time. As you, uh, as we, before we dive into Haggai chapter, three, I would like for you to consider how important promises are to you. How important are promises? Our world is full of promises. Promises of our jobs. If you work so much we will you'll be compensated there are promises and marriages that we take to one another but not all promises are in the positive there are promises that are in the negative i remember growing up my mother is here she might remember this i remember promises that she would give me if you did or did not do something your father will come home and he will give you something i promise you that <laughs> teachers made me plenty of promises if you continue to do this I will promise you with a grade. And uh, listen, there's always promises. There's promises all around us. And they're also all over the scriptures, especially in today's text, Haggai chapter 2. And as we read through this, I pray that you notice how vital God's promises are to God's people for their motivation to work, to resisting discouragement to fighting sins and to help them to wait for a coming King. There's no wonder that when we see in Ephesians chapter 6 Paul encouraged them to take up the shield of faith to wield the promises of God. And I pray as we work through this text that God would bless us, that he would bless us by helping us to every day preach the gospel to ourselves to hold on and preach the promises of God to ourselves more and more and I think the main point of today's text was written to help God's people work and to wait by meditating by trusting and clinging to the promises of God so let's stand together for the reading of God's Word, and then we will pray. Haggai, chapter 2, beginning in verse 1. In the seventh month, on the 21st day of the month, the word of the Lord came by the hand of Haggai, the prophet. Speak now to Zerubbabel, the son of Shiltiel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and to all the remnant of the people, and say, who is left among you who saw this house in its former glory? How do you see it now? Is it not as nothing in your eyes? Yet now, be strong, O Zerubbabel, declares the Lord. Be strong, O Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest. Be strong, all you people of the land, declares the Lord. Work, for I am with you, declares the Lord of hosts, according to the covenant that I made with you when you came out of Egypt. My spirit remains in your midst, Fear not, for thus says the Lord of hosts yet once more. In a little while I will shake the heavens and the earth and the sea and the dry land. And I will shake all nations so that the treasures of all nations shall come in. And I will fill this house with glory, says the Lord of hosts. The silver is mine and the gold is mine, declares the Lord of hosts. The latter glory of this house shall be greater than the former, says the Lord of hosts. And in this place, I will give peace, declares the Lord of hosts. Amen. May God add a blessing to the reading of his word. You may be seated. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, your people are waiting. Your sheep, Lord, we come hungry. And we pray, Lord, that our good shepherd would feed us this morning. We're thankful, Father, for your word. we pray, Lord, that you would feed us by your word this morning. Sanctify us in truth. Your word is truth. Send us your spirit, Lord, that he may wield your word to discern thoughts, Lord, to divide between bone and marrow this morning, that your name may be honored, And lift it high. We pray all these things in the matchless name of Jesus Christ. Amen. We will have three points today. I'm going to go ahead and give them to you now. Let's go ahead and get this over with. Three points, right? First point, promise of the temple, verses 1 through 9. Second point, it is the promise of purity, that's verses 10 through 19. And then our third point, promise of the king, verses 20 through 23, right? Points of and You even have the verses for where these points are going. I will remind you later, but those are our three points. You can see a trend here. We'll be going through promises. Promises of the temple, promises of purity, and promise of the king. Our first point in verses 1 through 9, what we just read, promise of the temple. Last week we covered chapter 1, the first message of Haggai to the people. They have come out of exile from Persia. They were conquered by Babylon, Persia took over, and now Darius has sent them back to build this temple. But they have been slack on building a the temple. They have found opposition. They are in sin. They have been seeking their own comforts and not seeking God Himself. So Lord is sending his messenger, Haggai. And last week we covered that first message, and this week. I'll be covering three messages of Haggai. Thomas got one. I have to cover three messages today. So we're we're gonna. Each point is really three different messages that Haggai is giving his people. He tells here we see the ruler Zerubbabel, and he tells his priest Joshua, and then he says everyone, all the people. He declares all the people there. uh, Listen up, and he what is he telling them to listen to? He says. Let's be real. Let's be honest. Look at the temple. What do you see? Is it nothing in your eyes? Uh, Ask the people who were here before it was destroyed. Have them compare the two. It's as if it's nothing now. It's a a letdown. They've been building for a couple of months. uh, And there's something going on by these dates. They've had some uh, festivals going on, some traditions they've been keeping, and that's a time for them to go to Jerusalem, to slow down, to have some feasts, to make some sacrifices. It's very much uh, probably something like uh, a holiday for us. Imagine Christmas. It's Christmas time. Things sort of slow down, right? Maybe think they're, they're actually for most of us they speed up, but then they kind of slow down. You're with family, you're with friends. And when it slows down, what do you do? You reflect, you remember past Christmases. Do you remember that year? Do you remember this year? And so they're probably doing something similar. They're here remembering, and God says, during this time, they were able to come together, remember what it used to be like. It's like nothing, and not only that, this festival, so they've been celebrating, probably aren't as good as they used to be. Why? We saw that in chapter 1. Crops are at an all-time low. Prices are high, incomes are low. It's a Christmas where they would look back and think, Man, it used to be a lot better. This temple used to be glorious. What's the point? Why should we keep building? We really don't even have the money because of the economy to keep building on this temple but we see verse 4 behold the word of the Lord God speaks to his people God's word makes God's people God's word sustains God's people Remember how this whole thing got started. Not Genesis 1, where God spoke and created everything, but here, remember Haggai 1. Haggai came with the word of the Lord. God God speaks, and his people are formed and equipped. And what does he tell his people? Be strong. Be strong. Be strong. Three times. And this would have taken them back to when the, first temple was built in solomon so you see in first chronicles chapter 28 verse 20 David said to Solomon his son be strong and courageous and do it do not be afraid do not be dismayed for the Lord God even my God is with you he will not leave you or forsake you until all the work for the service of the house of the Lord is finished is very similar to what God is saying now to his people. He's trying to draw them back. Remember the first temple. Remember the word that was given to the builder, Solomon. It's almost verbatim the exact same thing. God has not changed. And this be strong. It has a military vibe to it. He calls himself what? The Lord of hosts or the Lord of armies. He's telling them, wake up, get ready. Let's get to work like a general calling his men into battle work working on the temple is being described almost like a war is going on and this war like Israel has fought in the past is too much for them they are not able in their own strength to win this battle but we have promises given by God himself promise one to help them build this temple he says what I am with you. He is with them because of his his word, his covenant that he says he gave them in Egypt. Verse 5. He's referring back to Exodus 29, verse 45. And he tells them how is he with them. He says, I am with you by my spirit. His spirit is in their midst. So he tells them what? Do not fear. My spirit is with you. I am with you, so work. And then he tells them them to work because what? Because God is with them. It was very puzzling for me as I read this. Work, I'm with you. And I wasn't quite sure how those two were connected. I'm with you, that's great. You should work. Okay, how do those two things correlate with one another? So if you hold your spot, turn to actually I think it will be on the screen 1st Corinthians chapter 15 Paul is telling them the gospel of Jesus Christ 1st Corinthians chapter 15 and he tells them in verse 8 he says last of all as to one untimely born he appeared also to me Jesus talking about the resurrected Christ for I am the least of the apostles, unworthy to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am, and His grace toward me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them, though it was not I, but the grace of God that is with me. Whether it is I or they, so we preach, and so you believed. God's grace. It's not something apart from God Himself. It is God moving and working. We say God's grace, that is God working. Amen. And we often refer to it as God's grace as Ephesians 2 8, right? Uh, we, by grace through faith. That's, that's how we obtained faith. Yet also here, Paul is giving us another category for God's grace it is the power in the enabling to work hard for the Lord. Haggai wants Israel to say, we worked harder than any other nation to build this temple. Yet it was not us, but the grace of the Lord. Haggai gives them another promise. He says, I will shake the world. I will shake and the treasure of the nations will come in. What's this shaking he's referring to? I think it'll be more clear on what that shaking is later in verse 21 he'll say it again but here what he's doing is he's going God's going to move among the nations in a way that the nations will be providing the cost for the rebuilding of the temple. We'll see that in Ezra chapter 6. Ezra is really correlating with Zechariah and Haggai here same time period post-exile building of the temple and Darius makes a decree the treasury of Persia is what pays for the rebuilding of the temple and not only that, he also then gives them the resources to make all the sacrifices that they need. Why? Because all the treasures of the world is God's already. What's he saying? The silver is mine, the gold is mine. It's mine. And so when the nations give the money, they're not paying God back. They're not paying off a debt. They're God's already. He has been letting them borrow it and so what are they doing they're giving to god what is already his is that not what we do is that not what we demonstrate every week when we have a deacon come up to read god's word to pray and then what do we do we give why we are giving up possessions that don't actually belong to us when you tithe beloved What you're demonstrating to one another and to the world is that God is actually in charge of our finances. And that everything actually belongs to Him and it never really was ours in the first place. We're merely stewards of what God has graciously given us. And then He gives us a, a, a third promise, really a third and a fourth promise that go together. The third promise, He will fill the temple with His glory and it will be more glorious than it was before. They're discouraged how the temple looks. And you say, no, don't worry. When I am finished, it will be more glorious than Solomon's temple. Which is accompanied with the fourth promise here. I will give peace, declares the Lord of hosts. And friends, the temple will be finished here. It will be later expanded upon by King Herod. When King Herod finishes, it was double the size of Solomon's temple. It was so glorious. If you read Matthew and Mark, what do the disciples do? They, they stop that, Lord, look at the stones, look at this building. They, they have to sit and be like, wow, this is amazing. And what does Jesus tell them?